Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. The Lakers are starting to pile up some minutes without LeBron James. Have they solved their no LeBron on the floor problem? And when exactly is LeBron coming back? We'll talk about that and more on today's show. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Once, thank everybody for making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. We post this thing for you. It goes up in the wee hours of the morning. So if you're a night owl, you can you can just dive right in. You don't have to wait until you get up in the morning and start your commute. I uh, want to let you know as well that this episode of Locked on Lakers is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's also an unofficial community center. Big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Um, all right. So a few things we want to talk about, Andy, you know, the, the, we, we mentioned it on, on Thursday's show really spent actually a fair amount of time on kind of this weird place. The Lakers are in where they don't have their rotation. Uh, they aren't going to have their rotation for a little while and figuring out what can be accomplished, um, in this, in this time, what's real and what isn't. So we'll, we'll get back into a little bit of that. <laughs> I mean, you can extend it, Brian, a little bit further and question the idea of what's been accomplished period. Since the moment training camp opened, yeah, I mean, this has actually been a recurring issue for the Lakers since the moment they actually started doing. Like literally, Trevor Ariza didn't even have a moment on the floor. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it it has been completely. Uh, I mean, even by the standards of lacking continuity that we knew they would have by definition of the roster being turned over as much. Good God, there's been no continuity. None. And uh, it, it is not a small thing. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that, a little bit about Anthony Davis and 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 his performance so far this year. But the big news still, LeBron James, um, which gets to this continuity question, missed the last two games. Didn't also play gets in, to a squid game question. Yeah, didn't get to uh, – they didn't play in San Antonio. Didn't play in Oklahoma City. The Lakers didn't practice on Thursday. I guess they they perfected everything. They don't need to be out on the floor. Um, so they don't, uh, they, you know, no new news on LeBron coming out of, of El Segundo on Thursday. They are going to shoot around on Friday. We'll presumably get some information before the Lakers take the floor. But anyway, um, how concerned are you? You know, hopefully he plays Friday. If not Friday, he plays Sunday. It doesn't seem like a super long-term thing. But three games, four games into the season, LeBron already sitting out, it it, it makes you uncomfortable, I think. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, there. we've talked about this before with LeBron, and I mean, this this is something that I've had concerns with LeBron since the moment they signed him. I, I remember one of the first pieces that I wrote for The Athletic back when we were uh, regularly writing for them was like a look at LeBron's minutes and just like how, how insane the mileage that he had tracked uh, to that point you know, this was now almost four seasons ago, combined with the responsibility that he has, like what he's doing right now at this stage of his career, there's no template. Like it is without precedent. And as much as LeBron has seemed like this superhuman cyborg that spends like a mil plus on his body every year and is in tuned as much with himself as any athlete you're ever going to see, it doesn't matter who you are. At some point, your body will stop cooperating. 
Like, you know, and you, you can make whatever concessions you want. You know, you can put a hell of an offensive line in front of you if you're Tom Brady, but every athlete, whoever goes through this, their body at some point says either I can't cooperate or I can't heal up the way I used to. I'm just more vulnerable in general than I used to be. And like you said, Brian, this could be something where LeBron misses two games. He plays on Friday. He looks like LeBron and just, it was a little bit sore and they want to make sure that they're being cautious. You can't, you don't five games into the year. You don't want to turn a three game injury or three games of soreness or whatever it might be. You know, is it the playoffs? Does he play? He was doing on court work before the game in Oklahoma city. He is not incapacitated. He's not wearing a boot. Um, you know, but that said, you don't want to turn something into a lingering injury. But that I think what you what you talk about with healing time is really the crux of it. Because five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, do you need to take that into the equation? Like we need to give LeBron enough time to really get this thing back as close to 100% as possible, so it doesn't become a nagging thing that costs ten games in March when we you know when it's when it's higher leverage and more important. I don't think that consideration is there. It is that healing time that I think has caught up to LeBron more than any. I don't think his body is necessarily more brittle now than other, certainly other guys around the league. I mean, this is, you know, he's, he's one of many people on this roster to be missing time. But what used to separate LeBron, I think, was not only just the ability, inability to seemingly hurt him. But that if he did get hurt, it took like an hour and a half and he was back on the floor. That's gone now. So if there is a legit ding, if there's if there's something to worry about, you have to factor in, maybe we need to give him a game or two or three to make sure it doesn't linger. And in, in the meantime, that impacts everything because he's LeBron James. Yeah. And this is a team that really needs LeBron. Like the guy that even with Russell Westbrook, everything is ultimately centered around LeBron, like in terms of how the operation is going to actually work, which, you know, makes sense. He's LeBron. It doesn't matter if like the offense technically runs through at times, Anthony Davis, or he is the primary scoring option or as much playmaking usage, all of that stuff, the ball being in Russell Westbrook's hands. At the end of the day, the sun is still LeBron, mm-hmm. and the team rotates around that sun. And without without him being there, like beyond the fact that the team obviously suffers, the idea of trying to build towards something, and you know, actually brick by brick building that foundation of what you ultimately want the house to be in this metaphor, you're like you're falling behind schedule. It's like it's like. When you're living near like a house that's actually being built and either it's rained for a while or I don't know, like the local 402 went on strike, uh, whatever, whatever it is. But- like, you know, you're just like, uh, there's not construction going on here and there should be. And right. I know that well, means construction will be happening in the summertime when I wanted it to be done because we're going to be uh, having, you know, we got a big you know wedding plan for the outside and I don't want, uh, you know, yeah. a, or just there is a finite amount of time the Lakers have to do this. And the point isn't that they're already there. The other thing, though, and and this gets to the the next thing I want to get into, um, but like the the reason this is important is because there are non-LeBron minutes that are that exist in the context of LeBron being part of the lineup. Let's go to the break, and then I want to ask you the the other question, though, which is, do you think? 
the Lakers are any closer now to addressing their non-LeBron minutes problem that they've had over the last couple of years than they were before with the addition of Russell Westbrook and all the other stuff they've done. We'll do that next. This episode of Locked on Lakers brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. They've always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where families, friends come together to reconnect. It's a place you always look forward to stopping at after a long road trip just to rest your legs, refuel, win or lose. It's the place where the home or the away team can go to recharge. Like I remember, Brian, Little League games, soccer games, our grandma, Nini, she would always always take us to McDonald's. You'd sit down with those cheeseburgers or a McChicken with the fries. You always got to get the fries. And even if you don't get the McNuggets, you make sure you get the McNuggets sauces because the fries dipped in any single one of those sauces, always awesome. So head to your local McDonald's, refuel, reconnect. Did somebody say Locked on Lakers watch party? I'm loving it. Okay. So I don't think it's a secret, Andy, that the Lakers have generally not played well over the last couple seasons they have suffered physical standpoint when lebron james sits um i'm not talking about when he doesn't play at all like the in- the stretch where he was hurt last year and all that i mean when he's in the lineup and resting yeah these last couple games plus what we've seen you know in the in the first i guess it was three that he played played three missed two um are the lakers any closer to getting a a, a a a good solution to that problem because that was a lot of the impetus for bringing in Westbrook was both to keep LeBron fresher but also make those minutes hopefully more of them um you know they want to keep his minutes down you know in the low 30s make those minutes more productive I mean honestly I don't know like I actually don't know the answer like if you look at just the results so far, you would say that the answer is no. But the reality is, it's not just that they've been missing LeBron. They've been missing Taylor Horton Tucker. They've been missing Trevor Reza. They've been missing Kendrick Nunn. They've been missing Wayne Ellington on top of LeBron there. So like when you're talking about the big lineup, for example, LeBron, for better and worse, has been one of this team's best three-point shooters. Um, or at least he's he's had these periods where he has been. He has been so far this season. So when you're missing LeBron on top of all the skill sets, you know, that make him arguably the best player in the league, you're missing the floor stretching ability in him that would offset some of the issues that come with playing the larger lineup. Also with these other guys that you're missing, the team is a weird combination of really big and really small, sometimes at the same time, but Uh you, you don't get to run the lineups and sort of the the floor combinations and size combinations that at least on paper make this team at its best. Like, you know, some of the lineups Frank Vogel's trotting out, he's not as, you know, as much as I've said before that I think it doesn't really matter what the scenario is. He's going to go with a too big lineup because that's just what well, he says. I mean, and, and you know, we've seen numbers and we may, we may throw them out again today. Anthony Davis is playing more center this year than he has. Yes. Certainly last year, and even going back to two years ago, he's playing more minutes at yeah. center. He's not starting there, and it's not it's not as many minutes as people would like. Right, but I was going to say, as much as something like that, I think is just as much a Frank Vogel philosophical worldview of what he wants in basketball, leveraging that size of the rim, all that stuff. Some of the other lineups people complain about, it's like, you don't have much other choice. Like If no. you're going to have guys actually rotating in and out of a lineup, and the guys who are available 
some of these lineups are going to be really wonky and there's no other way to do it. And because of that, it's difficult to gauge how much of that is the drop-off with Westbrook running the show is as dramatic as it was with Schroeder running the show or Rondo running the show, whoever, versus no, this is kind of an effed up lineup. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and they have like like you say, it goes basically from like a bunch, you know, you can go six two, six three, six four, six five, and then you know, you can stop on at LeBron, and then you're basically at like six nine or seven foot. Like there's not a lot in between. You know, you you're and so I I mean, when it comes to mobility, too, in all honesty, right. Carmelo Anthony, who is like the one six eight six nine guy, he is much closer in mobility to a center. And, and I mean, one of the but not one of the, the not one of the Mark Eaton types. Yeah, not, not like <laughs> yes. the modern. Yeah, you know, no, he, stringy. You no, know. he he is not Javale, like you know that gazelle that can get up and down the court. No, he's he's, he's more like Carmelo Oster. Not on that side of the floor. Um, yeah, you know it's. When he's got to react to what you're doing. Right. Uh, no. So I'm saying like, I mean, really, even the guy that is, I guess, sort of, if you want to talk yourself into it, that kind of bridge between the bigs and the smalls, Mello, functionally, no. he's another big. Right. And that gets me, that gets me to the, the, the next question that I want to ask that I know we wanted to talk about. What, do, what, what can we take away? Like, what is there that we can understand or look at or see as an opportunity or things that you take, like it, it's a good day to kind of, I think, sort of step back and look at where they are because they missed some time with LeBron because so many guys, and it's so confusing. And we want, like, I want to kind of be able to draw at least vague pictures of what I think I'm seeing, but it's very difficult. Like what sticks out to you at this point? <sighs> that's, a, that's a hard question. I mean, one of the things that does stick out to me is my concern that even with the team at full strength, there's going to be a pretty definitive ceiling to how good defensively they can be. I'm starting. I'm 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 getting to there. I, I, mean, I was more optimistic five games ago than I am now. Right. And again, the caveat of some of the guys that they are missing, you know, they matter. Obviously, LeBron being unavailable, and I think also LeBron really deciding to crank it up. You know, that's that's obviously a plus for this team. Um, certainly, Trevor Ariza, even if he can play. 16 minutes a night, depending on how you implement those 16. They matter. They can, they can matter. Um, Kendrick Nunn is relatively a better defender mm -hmm. than some of the guards that they currently have available. So that's going to be helpful. And I know it hasn't been evidenced yet, but the team has talked up Talon Horton Tucker's potential a lot defensively. And if nothing else, he at least adds some length that they desperately and, need. And I was about to say, some of these guys too, while not great individual defenders, all also give, they're all good at different things. You know, certain guys are, you know, certain bad defenders are still good at certain things. You know, THT actually ranked out, I think, pretty well if you look at some of the, the numbers of like on-ball defense. And so it's the away from the, like there's certain things guys do well, even if they have deficiency in other in other places, the problem with the Lakers' defensive rotation right now and going into Friday's game, I believe they're twenty fifth in uh, in defensive efficiency. I'm somewhat surprised they were that high. Um, There's only thirty teams in the league. I am I know the number. <laughs> <laughs> I am aware of how many teams there are. Um, it it puts Frank Vogel in a position where he he doesn't even have the choice of suboptimal options. Like he's got to, like, I don't want to, he's not an idiot. He doesn't want to put Rondo Westbrook, you know, mellow, mellow 
out on the floor together. He knows that's not going to be a good defensive lineup. But when you're short as many guys in the rotation, and you also do need to score, like sometimes, yeah, um, you know, you have to do weird things, and so it, it it will provide the optionality of avoiding your worst options, even if Kendrick Nunn isn't a great defender or Tht isn't a great defender, and like you say, relative to some yes. of the other options, they are better. Kendrick Nunn is has largely been like a defensive. He's been basically a neutral, neutral. defender. Yeah. You know, the the issues that he had, I mean, just so it's clear, in Miami, in terms of staying in the rotation, were pretty much all defensive. But that was also a really, really high-end defensive team, high-end defensive culture. So some of that could, again, be just, relatively speaking, he could not keep up with that group. Relatively speaking, and take what from this oh, whatever you, you want. Right to the top of the class here. Yeah, I mean, and again, I'm not saying this to I'm not saying this to provide like you know Pollyanna comfort to people, but at the same time, though, that does that does potentially mean but, but that's, relative but improvement. My, right. That's my question, though. Is can again that this is what I I spent a lot of time thinking about after the game on uh, Wednesday uh, Wednesday night's game is. How much does having those options back lift you? Does that take you from 25 to 20? Does it take you? Because that's not good enough. It Does it take you from 25 to 15? That would be 15, 10, 12, something. Because the other thing is, I think they're going to be capable of being pretty good. Not great, but pretty good when you have AD fully engaged all the time and LeBron fully engaged all the time. The problem is, particularly with LeBron out, I, I think a lot of, you know, there's a lot of talk about AD's shot selection in the second half of um, Wednesday's game where he, he did stick a little bit more outside. He was dominating Oklahoma City yeah. inside early. Yeah, but, later on, I, I've, yeah. I've got a few numbers that I dug up with Right, uh, but, with but part of that second night of a back-to-back, big minutes in both, carrying a gigantic offensive, I think he got tired. And, 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 uh, and so I think, you know, they can be at their best defensively when AD and LeBron are at their best defensively. But you can't ask either one of those guys to play at that level and carry an offense for 82 games. At least I think there is a danger in that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, here's the thing, though. You may have asked them to do that, whether you meant to or not, depending on how the roster shakes out. Huh? That might actually be the ask. That <laughs> and, is, and and look, that you know what? Been, that's been one of my concerns. But here's the thing, though, and this is where I would say whether or not you think that was a bad ask, it's the ask, and I don't have a lot of sympathy. That ask may not have been there if LeBron and Anthony Davis had not pushed hard to bring in Russell Westbrook because you would have had a lot more defensive support if you hadn't had to make that that deal. You might still have KCP, you might still have Alex Caruso or more options for substitutes. And I'm not looking to relitigate any of that. I no, mean, but at this, this point, is, this is the danger. This is, is the deal. You're trying to fill in with one because year guy. Le- yeah. LeBron and AD are not stupid. These guys know the game really well. It's really clear they wanted Westbrook there for that offensive lift. And I don't blame them because the last couple of years, there has been a hell of a lot placed on those guys offensively. So I understand where they're coming from, but if they potentially overestimated. Well, and if you, do you trade, that was my concern that we've, we've, we've covered is like, do you, it, it doesn't do tons of good to gain a lot protecting LeBron offensively 
if you make him do more defensively. So I got to figure it out. Uh, You have some numbers on 80. There's a kind of a fun debate going on uh, on Lakers Twitter uh, Thursday afternoon about kind of how Anthony Davis is playing. You've got some numbers we can kick around with that. We'll do it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Bars covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, and healthy. They're great for health conscious people. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're great for the keto crowd. And as always, they taste awesome. You got 12 original flavors, including raspberry, coconut, almond, salted caramel, new flavors, including cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, cookies, and cream. They're perfect for someone like me who just loves really cool, different, unique taste combinations. So go to BuiltBar.com. Bench 600 pounds. Yeah, I I bench 600 pounds of Built Bars. Built Bars. That's actually, I I do the workout and then I eat my workout. It's it's really efficient. It's a high per. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Uh, all right. Basketball is back. It's better than ever. And there's a new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines ever before at Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one spot for the basketball and football action this season. Head on to our new updated or mobile or desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on when you get that big bonus so from basketball football baseball uh the world series going on nhl boxing ufc down to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 seasons uh bet online it's the fastest way fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts so there's an interesting little i mentioned before the break like a little interesting mini debate kind of people are following on lakers twitter darius soriano our friend at you know now writing at silver screen and you know part of the lakers film room podcast and uh jason timp and and some other people that people know um from lakers twitter just sort of about ad and the defense and how he's playing and you know we talked about shot selection and, and all this other stuff i overall I, I I got no problem with what Anthony Davis is doing. I think LeBron has been a little bit spotty and you know obviously now is hurt. Westbrook's performance has been all over the place and mostly negative for being honest. And then you know the supporting cast has had its ups and downs. I have no problem with what I've seen so far from Anthony Davis this year. Really on both sides of the ball, he's being asked to cover a tremendous amount. Yes. Defensively, in terms of shortcomings of this team, one guy cannot fix what what the Lakers have as a problem. It, even one guy who can be as dominant as AD is, and like they won that Memphis game in part because he he was playing at an, a DPOY level and then some mm-hmm. for a long stretch of time while also playing very well offensively. That's not something that's really sustainable without a little bit more of a supporting infrastructure defensively game in and game out. It's just not. You know, Giannis has good infrastructure around him in Milwaukee. Rudy Gobert has that in Utah. These guys can perform that way in part because the rest of the team's pretty good too. Yeah. I mean, but you know, the flip side is A, this is not supposed to be the entire team. B, just this is what's being asked of you right now. I mean, like you are when you are a superstar, part of being a superstar mm-hmm. is dealing with the periodic unfair burdens. And right now there's an unfair burden being placed on Anthony Davis, but that's the gig like that. That is the burden when, when it comes to being not not just a superstar, but a superstar on a team that has legitimate title aspirations that again, like we talked about earlier in the show has been completely retooled in part because that is what you wanted. 
So right. whether and, AD, not- and to your point, AD isn't just trying to be a superstar. He thinks of you know himself as one of the ultra elite yeah. players in the league. I, I'm yeah. not, I don't. I'm not stretching for sympathy for the guy. No, no. I'm but I saying, mean, like, look. particularly on that side of the ball, I, I, I don't. I, I, he's not. All I'm saying is sort of to Laker fans, he's not the problem. I, no, I think I, Davis has performed very well over the course of the season. I think the more interesting question. I know you've got some numbers on this. Is what is he doing on the other side? Um, yeah. Is he, has he, because last year was a really bad offensive season as much as anything. And is he doing things now that should make people more encouraged about how he's performing offensively? I think the answer there is also yes, with some could be betters, maybe. I, I, judging by your face. Well, okay. The caveat being, I think Anthony Davis, just so it established, is having a really, really good season so far. On balance, he's been quite good. So I want to make sure that that, even though I know nobody's going to listen, that actually is the marker that I'm laying down. Be, Anthony no, Davis is be, be really more good. specific. Many people listen. Nobody's going to hear. <laughs> There's a difference. I guess so. I mean, you know, if, got- if you... If you are willing to process the background noise that is my voice right now, uh-huh. hear me saying Anthony Davis is playing really well. That being said, though, I have had some issues. And I believe we've talked about it during uh, different shows with some of AD's shot selection, mm-hmm. and I still would like to see him get closer to the basket more often, have more shots, uh, more shots in the paint, closer to the rim, fewer of them in the long mid range area, and contended for a while as a view that a lot of this has nothing to do with whether or not he is slated at center, slated at power forward, who's on the floor with him. It can matter, but I think more than anything else, what matters are 80s choices. And looking up some numbers, uh, cleaning the glass, really good uh, data site, has him playing 55% of his minutes so far at center, 45% at power forward. It's the largest percentage uh, by far of him at the five since joining the Lakers. A lot of this can be semantic-y. I get it, devil in the details. But, you know, regardless, he's been playing a lot at the five. His percentages of what they define as long mid-range shots, in this particular case, 13% frequency, that's his highest ever as a Laker. And again, he is not just playing more minutes as a center this season. He is taking most of those shots as a center, you know, more of them than ever as a center than the last two years. Uh, per basketball reference, nearly 19% of his shots have been from 16 feet out to the three-point line, highest of his Laker career. Just under 11% of his shots this year have been dunks. It's the lowest since last season, which was the lowest since the 2017 season. He's got 10 dunks so far this season. To put it in perspective, DeAndre Jordan has nine in about a third of the minutes. Again, there can be context to yeah, this and stuff. Yeah, and, and to be fair, too, you know, that 16 16- to 24, basically 16 feet to the three-point line. He's shooting over 50%. So, right. I mean, it's been a very good shot for him It, so it may year. be a good shot, but it also is a shot that for him that comes and goes. And I also think at times can be indicative of habits and mm-hmm. habits that I know both of us have not liked um, during his time with the Lakers. He's got his lowest percentage of assisted twos or threes of his entire career. The lowest percentage of shooting fouls committed against him, that the ones that he's drawing, as a Laker, um, just under 11th percent, it puts him in the 34th percentile. Again, lowest of his Laker career, although it's actually been trending in that direction since he became a Laker. He is taking more threes so far this season when he's considered a center than a power forward. So I just again, I, 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 let's let's stop there for a second because I I don't have a problem 
with that for some reason. And he's like, it's weird. Like, and this is actually consistent. AD has been very spotty from like 10 to 16, that short mid range. And then, you know, when you step out a little bit further, you know, uh, you know, uh, top of the free, you know, top of the free throw arc and all that kind of stuff, he's much more effective. I don't know why it just is. Some guys are better when they take a step and a half back from the, fr- uh, from the free throw line. They shoot there. Dwight did that. It seemed to help him. Nick Van Axel shot it from like half court. Right. And if, for whatever reason it works, you know, Godspeed. The three point thing, I, I, I understand why people still talk about it as something that is important and that he needs to take three point shots. I, I am beginning to wonder why, because they do not go in and they're going in this year at an even lower rate than normal. I think it's two for 14. This he year. is at 14% on the yeah, season. Two, so two for 14. That's really bad. And it's it's not that this is out of character for him. This is what it always has been. He's never been any better than a one of three guy, and usually he's been worse. Dude, one of three? That's I'm that's saying a career he's high. A career high. That is <laughs> what I I meant that literally. He has yeah. never really been better. I just want to make sure people understand guy. that. That's like a high watermark. AD one and usually for three. it's way lower. Yeah. And so where I think you know Anthony Davis's ability to stretch the floor is critical, I think, to his game. I think his inside game benefits from being able to, to credibly take that 20-footer, that 18-footer. It doesn't benefit from him taking, the, apparently, the 24-footer, <laughs> you know, whatever. What, like, it, it's almost like how Lakers, you know, people who are great shooters before they get to L.A., step inside Staples Center. Something about crossing that threshold of the three-point line. You know, just because he looks pretty decent taking them, they do not go in. They did not go in last year. And he doesn't need to be taking three or four of those a game. Um, I am perfectly content with the with that twenty footer because it's a great shot for him and it opens up a lot of other stuff. But um, there, I would say, you know, it 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 does is the is the part of the offensive game that I would nitpick with. But overall, as we wrap up here, I think you know he's been more decisive. I think what we saw in the preseason of a more decisive. More it's been more decisive. I think, though, sometimes stronger. he's more decisive uh, staying away from the rim. Maybe. But I, again, I, 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 like I said, Oklahoma City, I think, was a lot of fatigue in the second half. But I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. If it. It's the threes that bother me. It's not the long-range twos. That's just all me. Right. All right. I mean, all, all in all, though, I mean, the, the like numbers. Dunks be, more dunks would be good. I'm on board I mean, with just, that. Look, the, I think individually you could nitpick or contextualize any of the stats that I brought out. Mm-hmm. I think, though, when you take them all together, you know, on top of what we've seen watching AD, not just the five games this season, but the entirety of you know, his career, but certainly his Laker career, I just think a lot of this is really on him. Oh, and that I agree as, with. As absolutely. much as the floor combinations matter, absolutely. as much as who you have out there can affect spacing, who's mm-hmm. at the rim, you know, who can't go away from the rim, yep. no, all I agree. that stuff. I agree. A lot of this is just AD, go do it. Yep, I just agree. Go do it decisively or you know, whatever it is aggressively go get the shot that you're looking for and don't settle for the one that you don't even if it's a shot that you and I would be like ooh I like that but if it's the shot that you want you're you know it's the it's that decisive action I agree with you it's not based yeah. on I mean some of this is just I think it's what he wants yeah. and at times I 
I don't think it's what he should want, but we'll yeah, see. We'll see. Um, all right, so we'll be back on Monday, hopefully talking about two games that LeBron James has played, two games that the Lakers have won, but we will see. Uh, I don't think anybody feels good about anything right now based on what happened on Wednesday in Oklahoma City, uh, but you, listener, viewer, should feel good about heading into a weekend, Halloween, have some fun. Uh, if you've got kids, take them out trick-or-treating. Everybody have a good time. Be safe. We'll see you on Monday.